Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Just like a little sample, a pick of, of some of the things that comes up now and then. But it was basically this uh, white South African woman. She was writing about how, uh, you know, how, how she had met horrible people like Dylan Roof online. Yes. And they kept claiming that there were somehow a genocide in South Africa. And she kept saying, you know, these people are wrong, I have to laugh at them. And, and, and that's the kind of battle that's going on. Now, do you think that these individuals are simply misinformed? They don't really see what's going on? Or, or are they part of another agenda? Are they de- just denying it and, and can't face the reality? Or is it possible that, as it is with some European countries, that you have people who are in, uh, you know, very, very homogenous areas, they keep lobbying for diversity, but they actually are never in those areas and never actually get to see some of those, uh, the, the clashes that occur between people, you know? There you go. There you go, Hedrick. Yeah. It is so easy to sit in your little ivory tower protected from the rest of the world and, and spout off this liberal, oh, I nearly swore, nonsense. Uh, <laughs> liberal nonsense and have that liberal viewpoint because in your little ivory tower you are so protected and you don't have to see it. And once again, you have the education system which which is incredibly liberal and anti-white. So you've gone through that whole system and, and you have blinkers on. And until it hits you or your pocket, you are not going to see it because you refuse to see it. And so it's the, the same time that I'm fighting and people like me are fighting the media blackout on the subject. We are fighting our own people. Yes, more than any us, almost. Yeah. Send us hate mail and 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 you would be astonished at some of the things that I have been called and told because I'm a liar. Right. Now it's right in front of your eyes if you just open them. Well, it's this idea too, Karen, that it's like you, you it, it doesn't matter because you can't, you can't defend yourself. You can't stand up to your own interests. If you, if you are white, you are in a, in a different and separate category of one who's the, the, the symbol, the, the, the epitome of the perpetual oppressor, right? So, so whenever you stand up to yourself, oh my God, it's another Holocaust. The SS army is marching in and that's it, right? Absolutely. And you know, a thing that I haven't mentioned to you, but really needs to be mentioned because there's a Chinese influence in South Africa. Now I saw a map the other day of where in Africa, China owns the mineral rights and it's practically the whole of Africa. So the Chinese have been, because of um, South Africa's um, agreement with BRICS, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, because of their uh, agreement with those countries, the Chinese have been pouring into South Africa. And um, they were finding it very difficult because they were not classified either white or black. So they had to abide by the BBEEE rules. So in 2008, our wonderful ANC government, in their infinite wisdom, declared that Chinese are now black. So that none of <laughs> really to, yes, wow. in South Africa, if you're Chinese, you are classified black. You, in other words, so, you can join in in the fight against whites. Yes. Yeah. yes, you can. And none of the laws that apply against whites apply against you because you are black. 
Now, I don't know how the Chinese in China feel about being black, but they are. So, so that law was passed in 2008 so that the Chinese could bypass any of this stuff that other people have to abide by. And what is amazing is that the, you talked about the xenophobic riots in South Africa. Well, there are so many foreigners in South Africa right now because they, as every other white country, they, they are being they are pouring over the borders, uh, unstoppable hordes of them. But the blacks in South Africa um, do not approve of this because the unemployment rates are over 50%. Exactly. So if they cannot get jobs and the houses and the free electricity and the free everything promised by the ANC government, they don't see why these foreigners should get it. So what they do, they do is they take to the streets and they riot. They burn down and loot and destroy these foreigners' shops. But another thing we have not addressed is that the Winnie Mandela invented a torture called necklacing. Now, Winnie Mandela invented this uh, against uh, one of her little guys who was uh, a murderous little horror that turned against her. So she had him necklace. And necklacing consists of either cutting off your arms below the elbow or tying your arms to your body with barbed wire, and then putting over your shoulders a rubber tire, pouring gasoline on it, and setting it alight, and then dancing around you and singing songs while you writhe in agony and burn to death. Now, Winnie Mandela said, with our matches and our necklaces, we will turn South Africa black. But the majority of necklacing is black on black, not black on white. So when these xenophobic riots started, they started necklacing these Zimbabweans and other Somalis and all the rest of them in the streets. And uh, the world stood up and took, paid attention for once to what yeah. is going on in South Africa, felt, felt very sorry for these blacks, and there was a whole outcry. But um, the um, Minister of Finance or Minister of Commerce or whatever said, and here, here's another little gem for our collection of our minister's sayings, said that these foreigners need to tell the locals their secrets of running a business because they have secretive ways of doing it. They need to tell the locals so that the locals can also have successful businesses. So essentially they deserve to die because they're keeping the secret of success from the local people. <laughs> really? Wow. You know, South Africa is such a mess, Henry. It is such a mess. And there are so many undercurrents and so many different things going on there that, that it is impossible to get a, a good picture of what is happening. And if a film team were to go there, independent or otherwise, they would need to spend a year because every single day there is new garbage coming out of South Africa. The latest one is the, the, the education of the ministers in charge. They are finding that more and more of these top people who are paid more than anyone else in the world, if they look at their resume, they have got uh, doctor, doctorates and masters and bachelor's degrees, which do not exist. So when they were given the job, they were never given a background check for it. So we have uh, ambassadors to other countries with, with PhDs that don't exist. We have got the guy, oh, here's one for you. The guy running the railways in South Africa, he has got this PhD in engineering. So the blacks in South Africa, a lot of them commute to work on the trains, on commuter trains. 
And uh, if a train is late, they will burn it to the ground. So the next day, obviously, there's one train left. So less than there was the day before. So they have to overcrowd on the, on the trains that are available. So they burn them to the ground because now there's not enough space on the trains for them to get to work. So over the years, our, our trains have been di diminished to a degree that they're, they're getting burnt every day because there's just one or other protest against them. So they put out the six billion rand, six, 60 billion rand tender for trains for South Africa. And this PhD in engineering guy orders them from another country where their engineers told him that these trains are too tall. They will not run under the bridges in South Africa. They will not run under the overhead lines and they will not run under the, the overpasses because they are too tall. Well, he didn't listen. So they spent all these mon this money. The trains were, were built to specification and delivered. And guess what? Oh, my goodness. Shock of shocks. They can't run in South Africa. <laughs> so now we have these billions of rands worth of trains that are useless in South Africa. So obviously they needed a scapegoat. So they started investigating the people. And this guy's taking the hit. Well, he should. He should because he doesn't have even... A, a, a matric probably, never mind a university degree. But this is a class of people running South Africa. Well, I mean, it's, obviously this is being funded still to a certain extent. And if there is no knowledge in, in running the country and, and the processes that have been run previously by educated people who know what they're doing, it's obviously going to fail eventually. It will go, it, it will go under either on a functionality basis or it will go bankrupt trying to keep, you know, keep propping it up. Is, is what do you see for the, the future? How is this going to turn out? What is the, what's going to happen next, do you think? Is it just going to get slowly and slowly worse, or is it going to be a radical difference in some way? Well, um, it, it, it would appear that the, the, the downfall of all infrastructure in South Africa is speeding up. Because for, for the first for the first, say, 10, 15 years of the ANC rule, things things kind of just dropped along, you know. But if you don't maintain things, they are going to fall apart. So the power stations have fall, fallen apart. They are pumping billions of gallons of raw sewage into the sea and into the rivers in South Africa because the water purification works have not been maintained. Now, in South Africa, because it's such a dry country, we recycle water. So the sewage is recycled and go, goes through intricate processes so that it is able to be used as drinking water at the end of it. But those plants are all falling apart. So instead of recycling the water, that raw storage is being pumped into the rivers, the lakes, the dams, and water is becoming unusable at the same time as we are undergoing a terrible drought. The roads are falling apart. There are potholes in South Africa that entire cars can fit into. They just fall into these holes. The electricity is, is, is finished, the trains are finished, the, the water processing is finished. I mean, the, everything that keeps like, the hospitals, let me touch on hospitals for you. We had the best, best hospitals in the entire world. We really did. We had the most incredible medical infrastructure. And in the apartheid years, the expected lifespan of the African was increased by 20 years because of the medical technology and science that there was available to them. Well, since the ANC has taken over, it has gone down 
again, that same 20 years that it was increased. Um, the baby birth um, deaths have increased astronomically under the, the, the black rule. AIDS is, is one of the biggest things in South Africa. I, I don't know it's the exact figures, but it's probably about three in 10 are AIDS positive and, and maybe more than that. So uh, Mbeki, the second black president of South Africa, declared that AIDS was a man-made thing in order to make the blacks wear condoms and not breed so much. We were trying to, to commit a genocide against them by talking about AIDS. Right. So yeah. When they went to an international conference on AIDS where people had this incredible scientific stuff on their stands, I mean, they, they had PhDs and, 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 and incredibly intelligent people showing the latest medical advancement in AIDS. There was the South African contingent with lemons, garlic and beetroot on their the display on their stand there, because for them, this was the cure for AIDS. So in amongst all this high technology at some Western European conf conference on AIDS, this is what South Africa had. They did not believe in it, although millions upon millions of blacks are infest infected by it and are dying. Now, that's one of the places that the rest of the world is giving billions of dollars in aid. But the hospitals in South Africa do not have anti-aid retrovirals, which money is donated for by the rest of the world. The hospitals have no beds. They have no water. They have no food. They have Cuban doctors. They, they, they have nothing. If you were to see pictures of the government hospitals in South Africa, you would be sick and you would never understand why people go there. Because when you go to a South African government hospital, you need to take your own mattress, which they will put in a corridor and make you share with somebody else. You take your own blankets, your family have to bring your food and your drugs in. A guy went in the other day for an appendix operation. They cut him from breastbone to hip bone and didn't stitch him up afterwards and sent him home like that. Wow. So those are the hospitals in South Africa. And this is how that country is falling apart rapidly. So it is not a slow decline. It is speeding up astronomically because the things that have, take, have been able to sort of maintain themselves slowly through the years, it is now 21 years of ANC rule and things are falling apart. And now what they're doing is signing a contract with the Russians for nuclear power stations in South Africa. Is that not a recipe for absolute disaster? Yeah, I did not know that. I, I think partially, Karen, that, that if there is such a thing as a success story in people basically going their own way, as you said before, want a desire to be left alone and to, and to preserve who they are and live in their own way on their own terms. And if, if, if that is something that has been a, a recipe of, of success, not only, of course, do our controllers need to rewrite that story and say, actually, it was horrible. It was the worst thing the world has ever seen. Let's never do it again. But I think it's a, I think that's done in a concerted effort to try to basically say, you know, if, if you, you're never going to be successful because in the times we're in right now, they want to try to achieve a, a multicultural utopia. I, th I think some people generally sincerely believe within the system that's promoting it, that this is going to be achieved 
I, I suspect there are other peoples, maybe higher up the ranks, that knows that this never will be able to be achieved, but they're creating these conditions for, for other reasons that, that could be debated, of course. But it, it's built on a premise of of egalitarianism, of, of equality, of this thing that we there is a deep, desperate desire for for, for for this multicultural utopia to work. We have to assume that everyone is equal and they can do everything as well as everyone else can. It doesn't matter. There's no difference between us. But if this is not the case, if this is untrue, if we are different, if we have different capabilities, if we are, you know, good at different things, what have you, then this is something that has to be denied at all costs so that this multicultural experiment that we're going through not right now in the West, of course, not in many other countries, but th- then this has to be pushed through. And, mm. and, and so someone going their own way, someone being separate, separateness, apartheid, being apart from other people, then that's something that at all costs would have to be destroyed. And so I think to a certain extent, what has happened in South Africa is 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 partially due to the timing of the whole thing that it was it's it's at the worst possible time when when the when the establishment is seeking to reform the global community into or all the different nations into a global community rather and 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 that's one of the things that happened that this this success story that you guys had had to be destroyed for them to be able to pull through and convince everyone else that in fact it was it was not good they didn't have anything it was in fact a, a horribly suppressive system that was holding everyone down and it's finally now that you know you guys are free from this uh, oppression that 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 the country is finally going to bloom into its full potential right that that is a wonderful story because they call south africa the rainbow nation well as far as i'm concerned if the rainbow were entirely black well then that would be true but there is no rainbow in that nation and there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and so that leads me into wanting to talk to you about some political parties in South Africa, because um, it is very important to understand how that works. In South Africa, you do not vote for a person. You, 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 here you have this whole gamut of people running for, for president, and you can vote for them. But in South Africa, you do not. You vote for a party, and then the winning party chooses its people. So they choose the president. You do not. And um, until recently, the, the uh, DA, the Democratic Alliance, was the white face in Parliament in South Africa. And there are a few, a few seats held by the Freed uh, Front Plus, the Freedom Front Plus, few white, white seats held. But essentially, the white population have no voice in politics. Now, recently, uh, a fledgling political party started up. They're called uh, the Front National, and they are trying extremely hard to get a voice for the whites in Parliament. So what they did was they went to the United Nations and asked for accreditation to be allowed to speak on behalf of the white South Africans, and they got that. Now, they are trying desperately to raise funds so that they can go to the meetings and, and speak for, for the white South Africans. But what they found was that despite all the promises of these many very small white, supposedly white political parties in South Africa, who had said that the world is not listening to us and they're not listening to the plea of the whites. So when a Front National went to the United Nations, they found that nobody had ever asked for the United Nations to look at the cause of the whites in South Africa. There had not been one 
application put in there. While these other white, so-called white political parties in South Africa were blowing their own trumpets about the hard work they were doing on behalf of the whites and that nobody was listening to them. So Front National have put in a request for, for the United Nations to please have a look at the, the white genocide happening in South Africa. We don't know how that will go or whether it will go anywhere. They right. also, um, the contingent went to the unrepresented uh, nations conference in Australia and gave evidence on behalf of the white South Africans about what is happening there and are trying to get them declared an unrepresented people. Yeah. Um, we don't know where that will go either. But I personally want to really uh, give kudos to Front National because they are also just ordinary people. I know a lot of those people. They are just ordinary white South Africans suffering and struggling the same as everybody else is in that country. But they are the first one who have lived up to their promises to stand up and go to these uh, big organizations and ask for a voice on behalf of the white South Africans. They are also the ones who stood up and organized um, defending the statues when that whole road statue throat poop had happened and they were going to pull it down. They sent people to uh, protest and to protect other white South African hero statues in South Africa. They have offered a home for them because they are going to be taken down. They have offered a home for them so that they can be kept instead of destroyed. We don't know where that is going to go either, whether they will be just broken down. But I, mu I must say that there is an awakening in South Africa and and in a very small degree across the world to what the whites are suffering in South Africa. There is a small glimmer of hope. But the thing that the South Africans want most, and they still want it to this day, is a folk start, a, a homeland that belongs to them. And they have suggested the Cape, where they first landed, where there were no blacks, where there are no blacks who have a claim to the land, and they have suggested that they get given that back. Now, when the blacks, the whites voted in 1992 for um, the end of apartheid, the question of the referendum that they voted on was, should the government continue negotiations towards the end of apartheid and a tripartite government for South Africa? Mm -hmm. Right. Now, the whites voted overwhelmingly. There was an 85% voter turnout and 67 or 68% of those voted yes. That we should continue negotiations towards a tripartite ruling party. They did not say, yes, we want this country turned over to the ANC black communist government. Right. So they were fooled from the very beginning. But the point I'm trying to make is, they were Codesa, the Codesa agreement was also signed, and in those negotiations, it was said that white uh, folk start would be considered and it would be put under discussion by the tripartite rulers of the country, and they would consider whether the whites could get their own homeland. Well, that has never gone anywhere. So it, there is an agreement standing in South Africa that the whites should be considered for their own homeland. It's never going to work because 90% of the tax base 
in South Africa, despite all the problems that the whites are suffering, 90% of the tax base is whites. So they, they, so are they not, need, they need them. That's what you're saying. They, they don't want them, but they need them. So, so if, okay, that's a good point because if, if whites are so just absolutely horrible and oppressive and whatnot, why not let them disconnect then and go their own way and set up their own country? But then that makes sense because then there is a position of, of, of need here that to a certain extent their production base is, is wanted to be able to continue to, uh, to fund the country and to find, fund the, the government that it seems to, as you've been described, incapable of taking care of certain things. Really, 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 uh, Henrik, it, it, it is an un... You can't wrap your mind around it because at the same time that they are saying, kill the Boer, go back to Europe where you belong. If you don't like it here, just leave. They need you and they make it impossible for you to leave because... There are certain papers that you need to immigrate. So you need an um, you need a police clearance. You need a, a, a birth, but not just your small birth certificate. You need the full birth certificate. You need a marriage certificate. You need all of these things, but you need to get them from Home Affairs in South Africa. So if you ever get to the counter in Home Affairs, which you can take up to five, six days of waiting in a queue and going back the next day and waiting again and going the next day and waiting again. You hand your paperwork in. Now, in my case, I married an American, born and bred in America. He had been in South Africa for two years at the time. So when I went to apply for my unabridged, that's the word I was looking for, unabridged marriage certificate, I finally got it after about eight months of waiting. And on that certificate, it said that my husband was a South African. Hmm. So I had to go back and undergo the whole process again. And then you have to get a police clearance. Well, that can take two years for them to get to you. So I got mine. And when I went to the American uh, embassy to hand it in, they told me it was printed on the wrong paper. I needed to go back and get another one. So you go back and you apply again, and that takes another two years, by which time many of your other papers have expired. So you need to start from the beginning again. So you understand that even if you have the means and the the, the qualifications to go to another country, the white, the, the, the South African government makes it so impossible for you that you cannot get your paperwork together. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, Kiana, as you, what you've said already, obviously then, then there is, there is no desire to let people split off, but let's for a moment talk about what potentially in your view could be an ideal situation because as it stands right now, it's actually in many countries where there are a, a fairly large population that the political system is no longer able and capable to to facilitate the different needs and interests. And the more, well, you know, we know what diversity means. It means less white people, but the more the more diversity we get in, in some of our uh, Western countries or countries founded by Europeans, the more difficult it also be becomes because all these different people have, have tremendously different needs. They have different backgrounds and cultures and all this kind of stuff. So it, it, it falls out of the hands of, of the politicians. But that would, that would imply that maybe we're heading in a direction of smaller regions, at least maybe temporarily, not as the final kind of uh, you know, workaround on this. But do you think that it's possible to, that something like that might be able to occur in South Africa? I mean, what, what would you wish for? What would be a good outcome, an ideal, if you could decide? Okay, there are only two routes to follow in South Africa. The, 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 
wish the fervent prayer of the Afrikaner for a false start, that they be given their own place. Now, there are two towns in South Africa. I don't know what... The second one is not as famous as Orania. There is Orania, which is a town that was bought by a white Afrikaner group. It is a totally white town. They have their own, their own money, their own everything. They don't even have a police force because it is so crime-free there. Um, you have to speak Afrikaans. You have to be an Afrikaner to go and live there. They are farming. They are interacting commercially with the rest of South Africa, and they are doing extremely well. They teach in Afrikaans. They teach the correct history of the country. They have their own schools, their own sports schemes, their own everything, and they are doing incredibly well. But they are not self-governing. They still fall under the ANC government. So if the ANC decided tomorrow that blacks must be allowed in Orania, they would have to abide by the local laws and they would have to allow it. So although they are an incredibly successful town where they have built from a ghost town to a, to a farming, um, educating community that has got everything that a community needs and they are clean, tidy, uh, prosperous, everything, that they still fall under the ANC government. So they changed tomorrow, right? Exactly. Yeah. They have already fended off a land's claim, which is another thing we haven't touched on, but they have already fended off one because the people who wanted to claim the land that they built on, uh, they paid them cash and they went away with their claim. But another claim could happen tomorrow and the government could just as easily say, listen, you're not going to pay it out in cash. We are taking this land and we are giving it to a black tribe whose ancestor 500 years ago maybe grazed goat there, because that's all you have to say you happened, and that land belongs to your tribe. So it could happen tomorrow, but it, it is also a proof that Afrikaner self-governance is very good for the country and can work. Now, that is first prize for the Afrikaners in South Africa, because they say they are as African as anybody else. They have a right to be there, and they are not leaving despite the murders and despite the torture and despite everything, they are not leaving. That is first prize for them. I don't know whether I believe that will work or not. There are days when I think so, and there are other days when I think, oh, my goodness, they are still going to be surrounded, outnumbered by black people who are going to flood into their white country in the hopes of making a buck, and uh, the whole story, will, the whole cycle will start again. Right. So, yeah. I don't know what I believe about that. Um, but if that is what the Afrikaners want, then in my prayers that is, and, 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 and my talks, that is what I want for them because I, I, I can't make up their minds for them and I can't decide what is best for them. So being their number one prize, I truly hope that that can come to being and that they can have their own place finally. But for me, as somebody who left, and I did not flee the country. I did not. I had no intentions of leaving. I, I met and married an American, and uh, he could not get a job in South Africa as a white man. And after two years there, he said, "Look, a, a man's man does not be supported by his wife. This this is just not acceptable. And I'm taking you to my home where I can get a job and I can support you." Yeah. So, I had no intentions of leaving. I I didn't I didn't flee the country. I came here because my I love my husband dearly. He's a good man. He wanted to look after me, and I cannot deny him that. 
so here I am. But in a way, it's a good thing because I'm much freer here to speak out against the injustices. Yeah. Do you do you go do you travel back regularly or I, I cannot. The ANC wow. will disappear me at the airport. Right. If I land in South Africa, I will not make it into so, the. Interest. So they they know about you. They have uh, have you yes. on the radar? Yeah. Yes, they do. I I I have an enormous target on my back. Enormous. I cannot go back there. Um. So the other thing that I think would be a good thing for for South Africans is to be allowed to go back to their European roots. Yeah. Now, despite the fact that they are kicking and fighting and don't want to do that, it would probably be the safest route for them. But we would then need to send, the other countries would need to send in airlifts to get these one million of them living in informal settlements, to get them out of there, because there's no way that those people could leave. And with every country in the world being invaded by black hordes and Muslim hordes, they do not have the financial ability to bring in more people that they would be fully responsible for until they got on their feet. So they would need to airlift them out, uh, provide them with housing and, and employment and uh, until they could get back on their feet and become contributing citizens to that country. So uh, either of those solutions I don't see happening I just see that if Julius Malema and his economic freedom fighters take over that country, they have a plan in place called Uhuru. And uh, if that were to happen and their Uhuru became real, within 48 hours they intend to get rid of every white in the country, to murder them and kill them. And they have plans in place which are perfectly viable. It could happen. It's, it's, not, a, it's not an African dream. It is an absolute possibility because the whites are spread out all over the place um, and, and easily targeted by determined black hordes of people. Now, that is my fear that in, in, in a short period of time, the whites will be wiped out and the rest of the world will say, oh, my goodness, how did that happen? We never saw it coming and oh, how sad and move on with their lives. Right. Now, yeah. that is a very doom and gloom picture, but the other two possibilities are so unlikely, a fork start or refugee status and being flown out of the country en masse. Um, what is left? Yeah. Well, Karen, there, there are others that we've uh, talked with on, on the program here that have uh, talked about the future a little bit, that, that what we're seeing is, is a culmination uh, in Europe, uh, Australia, America, etc., uh, that that this is on one in one way or another going to turn into a larger global version of of South Africa. That there are interests in this world that are directing resentment and and anger towards us. That ultimately will produce violence in in a similar uh, way as it has in South Africa. And again, not that the government, at least at this stage, are are sending military personnel and. And, and police to to kill people in a concerted effort like that, but it's something that occurs at at random, but quite f frequently. There's something that occurs to people on the street level. Um, yeah. And if you are, you know, white and, and a native European, you will be targeted by by people who come into to your country and 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 resent you and and get taught that you're an oppressor, etc. What what do you think about that as a as a prediction? And I mean, is, is that a is that a reality? What do you feel since you've been experiencing? Uh, the, the denial of this type of situation in your country. It's happening everywhere, Henrik. Yeah. 
I watched the world in absolute dismay. I saw pictures the other day of, of, of these so-called refugees in their tens of thousands just climbing up, climbing up the fence and pouring into Spain. I, I, uh, I don't know how we are to keep them out. And the problem is that the governments across the world seem to think that it is a perfectly okay thing to do. So the people themselves who do not want this, because people all over Europe and in the USA and in Australia and in the UK and everywhere, the people who of those countries have said, we do not want them. Secure our borders and drive them out. Yeah. Send them back home. But the governments themselves refuse to do that. So the people of the world are not represented by their governments who have a completely different view of the world than the people have. We vote them in, and in the minute they get into power, everything that they promised along the way is forgotten, and they go against every single thing that the people want. So, in in the countries of the world, we are already being outnumbered because of this mass influx of people who, as I said before, have got no wish to integrate. They just bring their barbaric rape, murder, torture, looting, living on the doll with their hands out. I mean, give me, give me, give me because I deserve. And they're doing this to every white country in the world. Why do they not stay in their own countries where they chase the whites away, they have achieved their objective, they've got what they wanted, stay there. Right. Instead of flooding into other white countries and doing it all over again. So if all of these countries have got this problem, I mean, I live in Texas, and Texas is suffering incredibly by the influx of these illegals over the borders. And and because the the, the government here has refused the Border Patrol and ICE and all these people who were set up to keep them out or to send them home, they are now not, they've been instructed not to do their jobs. They are to house them, feed them, put them on buses and spread them all over the whole country. Um, these countries have got their own problems and the, the whites are going to be in a minority worldwide. It doesn't matter where We, we already are a minority worldwide. Yes, God, we're yes, very few. In your own country, in your own white yep, country. I know. Which was your, you Swedish. So in your own Volkstadt, which was Sweden, which was pure white, pure white. Yeah. What are you today? Well, what, 16% immigrants at least. I don't even know if we get the real numbers, to be honest. So You never get the real numbers. No. The whole world is refusing to tell the truth to the, to the people because they are scared that we will stand up and revolt. But the problem is because they have dumbed us down, given us the wrong version of history and frightened us to such a degree by spying on every aspect of our lives. They have scared us into silence or else given us so many government handouts that it is easier for us to just take the handout and shut up. So in two ways, they've infiltrated everybody and we have little to no hope of surviving as a race of whites. And when we are destroyed, the world is going into a dark ages because there is no innovation, no creative, no development, no research, no nothing amongst these black. So we are going to go once more into the dark ages. And we are seeing, seeing the signs of it with the censorship, the burning of the books, the breaking down of the statues, the burning of 
universities, the, the, the incredible more takers than makers because the balance is tipping all over the world between those who are paying the taxes and those who are living off the taxes. You've seen the debt in every country that they are in that can never be paid, ever, 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 ever. You're seeing the climbing unemployment, the climbing crime. The, the, it, it's an impossible situation. You know, we've always had uh, territory and, and preserved it for for our own and, and to be able to have our own interests and maintain who we, who we are. This is something which um, never, I think, is going to go away. We just live in a, in a place right now where we are... We're, we're, we're fooling ourselves. We were, people are generally very, very naive. They don't see yeah. what this is going to develop into or, or why this is being done. And, and, and many still, I think, hold a, a view that largely it's going to just, you know, be, a, we're going to have a wonderful time together, you know, and it's going to be, it's all going to be great. But the fact is, no, you see no other countries in this capability giving up uh, its, its territory in the way that we are doing right now in, in the Western world. And this is, co- of course, going to have consequences. We just haven't wrapped our heads around this uh, at this stage. But it's it's starting to dawn on some people that, wait a minute, multiculturalism is actually causing us to move away from, uh, you know, generally historically high trust societies. People are, there's more criminality. People are spending more time inside in front of the television rather rather than to go out in your in your neighborhood and specifically for people who live in these called so-called transitional neighborhoods where the the population are are being replaced you know they they see the brown end of this they see what's happening they see that it's not you know uh, rainbows and and love and and uh, you know peace it's uh, it's quite the opposite karen but multiculturalism itself is racist because if if you leave people to their own devices they tend to congregate amongst like people. Yes. So the Mexicans will live in a Mexican area and the blacks will live in a black area and the whites will live in a... It it comes naturally to people. They will always be those ones who cross the lines and and, and feel liberated by doing so and feel good about themselves. But, But in general, people will congregate in groups that match themselves. And so multiculturalism itself is an enforced and, and a false paradigm. It, 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 it isn't real. It doesn't work. And nobody's happy. No, that's right. Well, I mean, it's a flat out replacement of the, of the population. They're officially, I've mentioned many times, but there are official United Nations reports that are talking about, um, well, one of the excuses, there's many different excuses. So sometimes they say, well, the refugees, they have to escape in another instance. Well, they come so that they too can have access to to an economy and a, and a good life. And then in the next moment, no, it's actually because you are not having any children and they need to replace you. They need to come in and, and you know, be workers of all the jobs that you refuse to, to do. And we get all these different excuses all the time. But no matter what excuse they give us, it, it's le- it leads to one thing, and that's the replacement of a people and a population and a driving out of them. And you see... It largely due to what you just mentioned, people want to be with their own. So you see white flight in most of these countries and they go to other areas. The question is, where where are we going to be able to be? Where are we going to be left alone? Where are we going to be able to live in the way we want without being forced into a situation where we no longer have freedom of association, Karen? You know what, Hendrik? Now, I am the most pacifist person in the world. I really am. I I. I do not believe in violence in any form or shape. I, I retreat from it. 
but the, the only, and it makes me sick to my stomach to even think about it, the only thing that is going to save us is if we stand together. Now, I've been preaching that in South Africa for a very long time because the English and the Afrikaners hate each other with a passion unbelievable. Too bad. Yes, but there are only 3.5 million of them. So if they do not put their differences aside and stand up and have one big voice, they are never going to get anywhere. Now, that applies to us whites all over the world. Sure. If we do not forget that, well, I don't like the Germans because, and I don't like the Russians because, and I don't like the Australians because, and well, the New Zealanders, and oh my goodness, <laughs> we are going to have to forget all those petty differences because they really are petty. And then there's an all-out war being waged against us. And we have to stand together and stand up and say, listen, our ancestors fought for the right to live. They fought to, to have this country. They fought for, for a place in the, in the world. And we are going to fight again. If we do not do that, we are done for. And as I said, and I, I'm saying it again, I am not recommending civil wars. I'm not recommending that. But I'm saying my gut feeling is if we do not forget all our differences, work together towards a common aim of saving the white race. We are done. Well, Karen, I think we should uh, leave people with that and uh, let them ponder upon what you've uh, shared with us here today. And uh, it's it's been a, a sincere and just right in the open, uh, you know, uh, situation that you've shared with us in terms of what hap- what is happening in South Africa of something that we are never told about in the media. We never hear about it. We always get the one version hammered uh, over us all the time. And and that's why this is so incredibly important to be able to get an insight into what actually is the the other side of this. Because I think as most people know, they're listening to this show. They know how much the media is lying. We know that they're using it as a a tool for for social engineering and to steer people in a certain direction, to have them disarm them, uh, you know, their rationality and to, to... to give up and to to control them in the way that they want, and and this is one aspect of it, folks, of not being able to to know and to uh, to understand what happens in in a situation like this. So this has been very important, uh, Karen, and uh, I, I want to thank you so much for what you do and for daring to speak out about this. And and uh, why don't you give us some of the details again about uh, how people can support, um, you know, what you, what you guys are doing? If there's a, another way that people can get it, get in touch with you, and if there's something specifically you'd like to say in terms of how people can, I mean, are there efforts now to actually help try to get families out that want to leave South Africa to go back either to, to Europe or to America or anywhere else where they can be safe? Is there any programs like that ongoing right now? Um, no, no, there are not any official programs of doing that, but I have, I have set up a fund where I am trying to get people out of South Africa and to help them with their, any legal fees, um, airfares, visas, legal fees required. I'm trying to help with that. But you're going to have to take it on faith that I am who I say I am and that the money will go to them because I cannot set up a charitable trust for this because it would expose the people and they would then uh, have no chance whatsoever. So I have a PayPal account, which is Cooks, as in Cooking Food, C-O-O-K-S, 595 at yahoo.com, which is my PayPal account. And that is where I'm helping uh, a number of families who are, have applied for asylum and a, a number of families who are trying to get out of South Africa. And then, of course, if you want to help 
the South African people in South Africa and make sure that your money is going to the white people. South African Family Relief Project is the is my charity of choice. There are many others, but you need to be very careful because there are a lot of scams. And uh, it pains me to say it. It really hurts me to say it because people are trying to make money off of the misery of the whites in South Africa. Mm -hmm. So give your money and it doesn't go where it's supposed to go. It goes into some person's pocket instead. There are a number of charities which you could give to. And if you want to write to me, you can write to cooks595 at yahoo.com. And I will recommend some charities to you, but my charity that I have researched thoroughly and I know that every penny goes to the whites is South African Family Relief Project. Um, other than that, I don't know how you can help because the postal service, which we have not talked about in South Africa, is totally in chaos. Um, they've been on strike for over six months. The post offices have been burnt. The international uh, postal uh, receiving place has had the post thrown in the streets and uh, burnt. And if it does get there, you have very little chance of it not being stolen. If it's not stolen, it then goes to the taxman. So anything you send to South Africa, the charity receiving it has to pay tax on it, which is uh, decided by the by the revenue service in South Africa, they will open your parcel, decide what tax is due on it, and you have to pay it. So that sending goods which are desperately needed um, is a very uh, iffy way to go because it probably it, it has a 99% chance of not reaching where it needs to be. So the best thing you can do is send money. And with the present exchange rate, which is about $13 to the rand and 20 pounds to the rand, um, uh, 20 rands to the pound, sorry, and mm -hmm. 30 rands to the dollar. I had that backwards. Um, your money goes a very long way in South Africa. Um, those are the only th channels that I could suggest because it is very hard to help these people. The government makes it impossible to help them. So those are the only things I can suggest to you. But if um, I have a, I have raised the visa fees and most of the airfare for a South African couple who are in great danger. They are in extreme danger of being disappeared or killed in South Africa, and they need to leave urgently. I've raised most of the money for them. I, I they will they will come and live in my home. They will have my car until we can get them on their feet. So I need a couple of hundred dollars in order to get them here. And we will then thank everybody personally. They will thank them personally once they get here. So you will know the money went to the right place. And any excess money raised will go to any legal fees that they need once they get here. So that's the best that I can suggest to you. Um, you either trust me or you don't. Yeah, well, and we haven't even talked about the way that some people are are tortured and, and die in, in the most gruesome, heinous ways. There are, there are many photos that I wish... I'd never seen, you know, that I wish I could erase yeah. uh, from from my my memory. And uh, well, Karen, we should we should uh, we should talk again at some point and discuss some of the other things we didn't get a chance to discuss here today. Um, it's there's a lot more to it, and there's a lot of different nuances and things that we didn't get a chance to to discuss and talk about. But you know, thank you again so much for coming on and and uh, keep up the good work. Keep keep you know being brave and and talk about these things and and keep spreading the word and. Uh, and uh, don't 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 lose faith. I think there's a lot of people that are slowly kind of waking up to to the reality of how they've been hoodwinked from this. So you do a good job, Karen. Thank you so much again. 
Thank you very much, Henrik, and thank you from the entire white population of South Africa because it means such a lot to them. You have no idea of the thank yous that come in after a show because it is important to give them hope. And shows like yours are giving them hope that the world does care, that they're not left on the tip of Africa, dying like flies and nobody caring. So it is very important what you have just done, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, there we have it. That's our Red Eyes radio program for today. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and for getting an inside perspective on this story. A small insight into one of the biggest and most distorted and lied about tragedies of our times. There is naturally more to this story, and we'll continue to bring you information from other people who can tell you firsthand about their experiences and how they flat out deny that any of this is happening, that somehow this is all delusions. They uh, think that just because it's out of the press, it can't be true. Well, that's a big mistake to make. As uh, you regular listeners know, conspiracy by omission is uh, far from something new. We are uh, going to be back with uh, Dave Yorkshire from Mjölnir magazine out of the UK on Wednesday. And then we have Lorraine Murray, Dan Root and others joining us on the program after that. Well, for now, we say uh, thank you so much for listening once again. Please sign up for a membership with us at RedEyesMembers.com. Get full access to our archived programs going back to 2006, both ours and all the other content we have for you. For now, we say stay well and thank you for using your brain, for thinking, for researching and preparing yourself for what needs to be done. Okay, don't forget to take care of your loved ones and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bergen die nacht, lee ons een donkere wacht. En die modder en bloed lee ek koud, streepsak en reenkleeft in my. En my huis en my plaas, tot koele verbrand, so dat hy ons kan vang. Maar die vlamme en vier brand nou diep, Deep in my De la rai, de la rai Sal jy die boere kom lei De la rai, de la rai Generaal, generaal So sien man sal ons om jou val Generaal, de la rai Oor die kakies wat lach Heinkie van ons Tiene jylle groot mag En die kranse lê hier teen ons rug, hulle dink is verby. Maar die hart van een boek, lê dieper en ver... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.